You're listening to Making Global Learning Universal, conversations about engaging diverse perspectives, collaboration, and complex problem solving in higher education, on campus, online, in local communities, and abroad. I'm your host, Stephanie Dosher, Director of Global Learning Initiatives at Florida International University and co-author of Making Global Learning Universal, promoting inclusion and success for all. I do have this memory of one of the first times I was at FIU. So I came to FIU in 2002 and the first class I taught was developing a global perspective. And I came on campus and saw on and saw that billboard that's on 107th and 8th Street and I had this vision that every student at the university, what would happen if every student at the university could take a course like developing a global perspective? You did not I have swear that. to God. <laughs> That was Hilary Landorf, founding director and now executive director of FIU's Office of Global Learning Initiatives. We now know what would happen if every FIU student took not one, but at least two or more global learning courses as part of their undergraduate education. It would change many of those students' lives, the lives of the faculty and staff working with them, the life of our university, and yes, Hillary's and mine. This is a really special episode because in it, Hillary and I cast our thoughts back to the very beginning of global learning for global citizenship, the moments when we were first hired to develop and lead the initiative. And then we trace its evolution from how we found our true call to action to our definition of global learning. We contemplate the implications of global learning for the institution's mission and its power structures. And Hillary says some really powerful things about how she bridges the different components of her identity as a global learning scholar, educator, administrator, and leader. I can't think of a better way to kick off season two of the podcast. Remember to check out the show notes and the discussion guide so that you can extend the conversation on your campus. Here's my conversation with Hillary. This is kind of surrealistic. Sitting here right now, isn't it? It's... <laughs> You're speechless. I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've come such a long way. <laughs> we have come such, such a long, long way, way. <laughs> since you called me <laughs> that afternoon in August of 2000. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It was before that. It was... Like June or July. July. It was almost July 4th because I got a call from Susan Himberg on July 3rd. (laughs) And and what did Susan say to you when you got that call? She said, how would you like to change your life? (laughs) Just Just like you basically said to me. You know, I don't remember if you said those words to me. But I do remember getting off of the phone call when you called to ask mm-hmm. if I would come to FIU from my position at Devonair K-8 Center, mm-hmm. where I was working at that time, to ask if I would join you in this mission, <laughs> if I would accept this mission, to um, internationalize the international <laughs> university which was our quality enhancement plan, um, or, the, or that was like the, the draft 
title mm-hmm. of our quality enhancement plan at that time. And you asked me if I would come and, and work with you to do that. I just remember getting off of the phone because I was in on the west coast of the United States at that time. Oh, right. You were in Washington. I was. I was in the San Juan Mm -hmm. Islands, and I happened to be having a glass of wine with some friends and my mother. And and I got off the phone, and I walked back in the the room, and I said, I think my life just just changed. (laughs) And... um, and and it and it has our lives have changed <laughs> quite a lot, <laughs> and uh, I think the life of our university has changed. So, so let's spend mm. some time talking a little bit about the evolution of what became global learning for global citizenship. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it started off as the institution saying we want to reinvigorate the I and FIU. But there was no clear vision for what that was. No, no. All we had, um, as I recall, all they had was a one or two page um, treatise mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from someone in political science um, writing about how he thought that there could be two internationalized courses as part of everyone's experience at FIU. Yeah. yeah. And, and then what happened? <laughs> I mean, so many things have happened in the interim. And even what, we, what, what is happening right now in the university is so far beyond what we wrote up in that original plan that it's honestly like, and I have a terrible memory. I, what happened next? <laughs> right. Well, also, I want to say also so far beyond what we could have ever imagined. Right. <clears throat> yeah. um, so I don't know about this exact sequence, but what happened generally was, as I said, Susan Himberg called and said, would you like to change your life and um, direct a, glo- a internationalized curriculum initiative called the Quality Enhancement Plan, and you need a collaborator with you, and plus a couple of staff members, and then I'm going to give you the reins for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we immediately you and I immediately got an office we got a couple of staff members and I think that one of the first things we did was got together a broad-based committee and started um, surveying and doing focus groups with students and faculty right yeah right because they had done a survey with students remember those those cards, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Like there were these colored um, four by six (laughs) note cards. It wasn't so much a survey as it was kind of like a focus group. Mm -hmm. They had asked them some questions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the students wrote down their answers on those cards. And I remember we, we, we devoured those. And, and I also remember that there had been a committee that was charged with first starting. And I know we wrote this up in the book, (laughs) but it's so funny, like trying to remember it, you know, together right now, um, how hard it is. So um, there was this committee and they had been meeting and they had some minutes. Right. Right. And I was on that committee. Right. Um, But a, you know, a passive member of the group of the committee. Right. (laughs) And, 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 and 
I think I recall you sending those notes to me somehow mm-hmm. via email mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. remember standing at the kitchen counter in, in Friday Harbor and, and looking through these. I'd already said yes to, to doing the work. I hadn't quit my job or anything like that, but I, I was going to. I was intending to, to, you know, to make this transition. So we did a lot of looking at the words of what people were talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. We were looking at the words of what people are talking about throughout a year in, or a year and a half mm-hmm. and what the students were saying. And what we saw was that rather than talking about international or internationalized, students were talking about global and mm-hmm. global learning and diversity. Um, and that was a real clue to us that rather than globalizing, rather than internationalizing, um, there was something bigger here yeah. going on. International meaning between nations and global meaning something more holistic. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and I think that's where you really first latched on to that um, from your background, which is deeper than mine in global education. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think you, mm-hmm. you, you recognized that um, there was this long history of global education, mm-hmm. of which, you, you know, you are, that's part of your, your field of expertise. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that, like what you brought to mm-hmm. the table in that the position of being the director of leading mm-hmm. what would become global learning right, for global citizenship. Right, right. So a few things come to mind, Stephanie. One is a memory I have, and that's not directly answering your question, but I do have this memory of one of the first times I was at FIU. So I came to FIU in 2002, and the first class I taught was developing a global perspective. And I came on campus and saw on and saw that billboard that's on 107th and 8th Street. And I had this vision that every student at the university, what would happen if every student at the university could take a course like developing a global perspective? You did not I have swear that. to God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never told me that. <laughs> it was just a vision, like, wouldn't that be amazing? Wow. Um, so, I loved, you know, this idea of students developing a global perspective, and I loved the course I was teaching of uh, students developing a global perspective. And my background is in international education, and I've been an educator and a teacher all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pedagogy of the thing, of whatever global learning was going to be, the pedagogy was very important to me. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, so we went from that that point to looking at what global learning and what this initiative could be in terms of curriculum. Mm -hmm. I think that's um, where we started, and that was, at the beginning, the heart of the initiative. Um, And fast forward, um, and I know I might be getting ahead of myself here, but one of the ways in which global learning has really evolved for me 
is in the intentionality of the integrative pieces of global mm. learning, that it's not just about the curriculum and the pedagogy, but also about what students are doing outside the classroom in the context of the co-curriculum, the extracurriculum, and context of their lives and how they're putting the pieces together. Mm. And that I had no idea about when I started. Yeah, <clears throat> I, now I think this is gonna be an interesting just path for us to take in the discussion because for sure both of us have evolved in how we think about global learning and then how we think about in terms of what it is right what how we define it and the 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 components that go into making it happen but then also in terms of how you facilitate global learning like where and and when and how and with whom and those those pieces um, I want to pick up, and, I, and this is part of our evolution piece, I want to pick up that piece about you teaching that course, Gaining a Global Perspective, mm -hmm. because that course was a course that was developed as part of the Global Awareness Program mm -hmm. that Jan Tucker, mm -hmm. uh, who was at FIU in the late 70s and, and into the 80s, was teaching. He developed it as a teacher education course, right? Yeah, and and he had this uh, very broad-based uh, um, teacher, a professional development program in Miami-Dade County Public mm -hmm. Schools. And in the writing of the book, I put some things together. You know, it, this is kind of picking up on that question of what we brought to the, to the space, right? So, so you have a, ba a formal scholarly black background, mm -hmm. an academic background, and a, and, a, and a professional background in global education. Mine wasn't squarely in that space. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, like, I never studied abroad when I was in university. I've come to find out that my DNA, I'm the least, <laughs> I'm the least diverse person on the planet. I'm, <laughs> what, one, according to 23andMe, I'm 100% Ashkenazi Jewish, 100%. Like, right. there's nothing well, diverse about me. I'm 99.1%. You're 99.1, so not diverse. So where, <clears throat> where has the kind of, uh, kind of natural sense of what global learning is come from. And in the writing of the book, I had this light bulb moment of, I am a product of Miami-Dade County Public Schools. There is a very high mm -hmm. likelihood mm -hmm. that at least one of my teachers, if not more, took courses as a working mm -hmm. teacher or as a in pre-teacher, pre-service um, pre education from, from Jan Tucker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that those ideas that he was uh, that he was um, a proponent of were embedded in my education. Mm. Mm -hmm. That could be. That yeah. could be. I I'd like to say that the elements of global learning that we decided that the university finally decided on our student learning outcomes, global awareness, global perspective, and global engagement. Now, I've known you for a long time, and I think you um, came to the table with those elements, and um, I don't know if you got those elements from your education, but the in making connections between local and global, international, intercultural issues is something you do, you know, like drinking water. You do that naturally. Looking at 
ideas from multiple perspectives is also something you do and certainly engagement your engagement in social justice issues and making the world a better place is just off the charts so i don't know if you gained those those outcomes and had that inculcated in your education but i i certainly um know and saw that you had those those um, added that attitude skill knowledge Mm -hmm. um, from the beginning I think it's important that we talk about these things because when it comes to leading an initiative like this it it does matter who who is who is leading it absolutely absolutely and I've always uh, contended that um effective global learning initiatives must have an educator somewhere at the helm or near the helm Um, because it's an educational process as we define global learning it's a process Mm -hmm. it's not inputs and outputs it's not about things it's about learning yeah it's not where you learn it's not what you learn but it's how you learn exactly Exactly. And, and educators are the people that, and it's not just educators, but it, at least people who have that a sense of the educational process, mm-hmm. right? So there are, there are many people that are outside of the, the field of education. I think what the point is that we're trying to make is that there, just, there does need to be, it's best if one can find um, some people who have that innate, sense they connect to global learning from a process oriented point of view mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and 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 it and it, it might be kind of a natural thing or it could be their profession uh but but it's really important and and i think that that's made a a big difference in what we've been able to accomplish here at FIU i don't think that what we've accomplished at FIU can't be accomplished by any institution but it's very rare that educators, um, people that come from educational leadership or curriculum instruction, mm-hmm. teaching and learning, are, like you said, at the helm. Yes. So um, in that sense, I think that we, or I want to give credit to the institution itself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something I say a lot. <laughs> But it's something I need to say here, that the institution had confidence in educators to lead an initiative that um, I think they knew was going to change the complexity and the DNA of the institution itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they could have chosen um, people in political science, people who had knowledge or people in social work who had some, emo- you know, the emotional intelligence mm-hmm. or other kind of skills. But the fact that they chose, that FIU chose educators to lead such a big initiative, an initiative that plunked down, I have to say, a lot of resources, human, physical, financial resources for the initiative to succeed is um, is admirable yeah so I think we are probably around 2009 now like (laughs) right so we started this thing in 2008 we got our offices and we started to you know look at the documents and we were going around and talking to people and then we started asking you know when you 
think of global? What does it mean to you? And and which word is more applicable to FIU, international or global? And then and then we led that dialogue with faculty and staff and students and community members and foundation members and we we used the 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 survey data from our marketing survey at the time and we were just devout it was a giant qualitative qualitative research project, research project right it, um so we had that question of what is global what does international mean to you and also what would FIU graduates need to know and be able to do to become global citizens yeah um and we had us yeah. <laughs> going out to departments throughout the university, as you say, academic departments, um, recreation, housing, student affairs, everywhere we could go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the global, the quality enhancement plan development committee mm-hmm. that we would bring back our the results of our uh, findings to mm-hmm. and have them discuss with us um, what that looked like and what that would mean in terms of student learning outcomes. And yeah. then we'd go back to another department. Yeah. It was that constant iterative yeah. connection making. So we would say, well, when we talk to the students, we would say to the faculty, well, when we talk to the students, they said this. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And then they would say, hmm, I don't know. We think this. And back and forth mm-hmm. and back and forth until it was really our – our students that kind of broke it open for us (laughs) in that one word that everybody said was the most salient characteristic of FIU, which was our diversity. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And it was, I think, students who said the strength of our institution is our diversity, but we're not using our diversity in the classroom for the learning experience. Exactly. And that was like, Bam! <laughs> uh-huh. That's what we're ca- our call to action is, mm-hmm. and um, and so we began with faculty learning communities, and we started uh, with actual faculty that were teaching courses at the time, just experimenting mm-hmm. with some of these learning outcomes that we had induced. Mm-hmm. You know, we had like six or eight of them that we had induced mm-hmm. from what everybody had talked about. Mm-hmm. And then we said to these faculty um, who were teaching history, who were teaching biology, who were teaching English, like, play with these. Like, what? just try to infuse these into your course. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So they did that first semester. And as you say, it was a cross you know, curriculum Mm -hmm. initiative where we had courses throughout the curriculum doing that. And I think they were all core curriculum courses. So they were foundational courses for students. Um, And they came back um, with positive results um, for six outcomes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. the way we had created the outcomes, one would be foundational and scaffold against another outcome. 
Um, yeah, there were three goals. I think we had like three, three goals. Exactly. Three goals and six, two outcomes within each goal. And that was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what our <laughs> team from our accreditation agency, SACS, the Southern Accreditation Colleges and Universities, yeah. Um, said to us, that's ridiculous. Why don't you use the goals as the outcomes? Okay. (laughs) You mean make it easier on ourselves? (laughs) And that is what we've been telling everybody who ever asks us ever since. Um, You have to get to that zeitgeist. It has to be that lean set of essential outcomes um, that can be applied across the curriculum and the co-curriculum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in order to connect everything. And the fewer you have, the better. Um, now, we had to have a knowledge, a skill, and an attitude. I think that was like a sax thing that they wanted. And yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I th- something like that. But we're ha- you know, we were, that's what we were hearing. We were hearing global awareness, knowledge of the world's complexity and interrelatedness. That's like understanding globalization and understanding the nature of the, the the world that we live in. And then there was that global perspective one, people saying, you know, we want to see things from different cultural disciplinary perspectives because these problems are so, these the, the things that we're studying and grappling with are so complex. And then that last piece we just kept hearing over and over that citizenship piece, earlier you said we asked people what would a, a student graduate from FIU need to know as a global citizen, but it wasn't as if we were just saying we think that students should be global citizens. Exactly, exactly. And that, and that, was, a, um, that was tricky for us, but we were really committed to, one, that an attitude was necessary, an attitude of openness and willingness, mm-hmm. and that there was something real about global citizenship. Whatever global citizenship was, there was something really important about having students, once they had gained that knowledge of the interconnectedness of the world and the skill of being able to look at things from multiple perspectives, of being able to at least acknowledge a willingness to take action. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was because we kept reading in those first uh, minutes that we were reading at the beginning in August of 2008, we were seeing people say things about uh, we live in a globalized world, globalization, and also our our students are citizens of, they feel like they're citizens of different countries. They have, you know, different types of citizenship. Just this idea that there were responsibilities and they had a mindset that was trans that that was transnational and students would say that too and so they were talking about global citizenship and I think that's another thing that I've never really thought of it this way before but I think leadership is really when it's done well is advocacy for what the institution is saying it wants mm-hmm. if and it's the institution a, meaning everyone in the institution exactly yeah especially yes. the students yes mm-hmm. we we did it was tricky but we also had our moment where we had to be brave exactly yes <laughs> yes and i remember several conversations both in um 
in the provost's office and in these rooms with board members and um, members of the board of trustees and then with Sachs being sort of against the wall and um, having to defend one this attitude having an attitude outcome and to the concept of global citizenship. And remember, Stephanie, when the QEP leader came, who was evaluating the QEP part of SACS, came and said to us in the, in the big meaning of, I don't think you should do global citizenship. I don't think that should be in a title because it's too risky, it's too politically risky. And it was our students who, um, fought against that? Yes, yes, I do remember that. I remember that. And the point that we made to Sachs was also that we like the fact that it's a contested term because it means that we're always going to have to debate mm -hmm. what that means mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's going to keep the initiative alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, so, and so we got to this point where we finally past sacks <laughs> right which was a relief <laughs> and um you know we could have kind of dropped the ball there really we could have dropped the ball right then because mm -hmm. we made it through sacks and we could have said well we're just going to kind of coast yeah mm -hmm. we're going to coast until the five-year report and just do whatever but we did not do that <laughs> <laughs> we did not do that at all. We we started with um, the professional development workshops and developing the courses, getting the students into the courses, and collecting data from faculty. My internal thought is, could we have stopped then? Um, so we had the okay from Sachs. And we knew we were going into professional development workshops in the summer, creating global learning courses. Um, and we were paying faculty to do this. Um, then we, uh, an incredible moment, at least to me, was when um, these courses got approved by the Faculty Senate. So we have courses on the books that are global learning designated courses mm -hmm. that to me that was when things got real yeah. before that it was we were doing things and we're getting ready we're training faculty and we're getting an assessment plan but now we see in black and white we have courses that are global learning designated courses faculty are teaching these courses and then it it just yeah it, yeah it, it just snowballed it because, snowballed yeah people mm -hmm. I mean, there was the requirement that every student have to, would have to take these courses. And we did have, and th this story is told in exhaustive detail in the book, and it's also somewhat traumatic, so we probably don't want to <laughs> remember all of it here. You know, every student had to take these courses, and we had to create a strategic plan, a map of, like, what courses they would be. And so there was a certain, people were somewhat compelled to do it, right? But but there were so many people that wanted to do it. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, and, and, and this is something I think we should talk about, because the truth of the matter is, is that we had these global learning 
outcomes, awareness, perspective, and engagement. And they were are, and remain incredibly powerful and super meaningful. Um, people can connect to them. Faculty can connect to them. Students can connect to them. They, they, are, they are not abstract. They are, you can see them when, when they're happening. We also had the requirements of what a global learning course had to have, mm-hmm. which were course learning outcomes associated with those learning outcomes, and then active collaborative learning strategies, because that's just good teaching and learning for higher order thinking, which these ac- outcomes are. And then we said we needed to have assessments for those, and then we needed to have diverse content and readings. What we did not have was our definition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. And that was an evolution uh, for us both, and I think especially for me, <laughs> it was an evolution. Um, so as I remember it, the definition we came to in several different ways yeah yeah in one way i can talk about the research way that we started doing research of um um, where did global learning come from yeah um and what we found was amazing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that the original definition or the first definition that we've seen of global learning and i don't think anyone else has seen a definition Um, that came before it was um, put forth by the United Nations University um, in their second strategic plan. This is a university, a non-bricks-and-mortar university that started in the early 70s from the United Nations. Um, And it was um, the goal of the university was to have researchers from throughout the world work on intractable wicked problems Mm -hmm. solving problems and in their second strategic plan they had three divisions one was the global learning division and in that the um, definition of global learning in that um, strategic plan included diversity collaboration and problem solving of of intractable problems yeah yeah they didn't have it in uh, like a sentence the way we had but but in in the description of what that division was supposed to be all about Mm -hmm. its Mm -hmm. mission Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we didn't actually learn that history until after we wrote our definition is that the case I know I think you remember (laughs) it slightly differently than I do because what I remember is a day, I remember a lot of days of <laughs> working with um, our former graduate assistant, now the executive director of the JDA program, Bahia Simons Lane. And we were working on a paper and uh, about global learning at FIU. And as part of that, we wanted to articulate this definition. And it, like, it, was, it was almost like it, we didn't know we were pregnant, but we, <laughs> well, we were giving birth. <laughs> Right. There was like this thing that had been brewing in us, which was how do we describe what we're learning from the faculty teaching all of these global learning courses where they're telling us what they're doing in the classrooms. So, okay, so what they were doing is they were telling us in their assessments, this is what works and this is what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And when they were describing what works, we were inducing, we were starting to sense that there is this process, that there's this common set, 
there's this common um, set of, of experiences or this common way of describing the experience of global learning that seems to run across these courses, which was that there was this collaboration piece, that it was a pr more of a process, and that it does need to involve complex problems, and it's and it's there's analysis and then there's the synthesis piece and we didn't know we didn't have a, a succinct way to describe it and what I remember is uh, this one day especially of sitting in the copy room you know we had that really small closet with the cop with the with the photocopier when we were in the library mm -hmm. and there was a table mm -hmm. across from that and I remember I was so intensely into wordsmithing the definition. I was sitting on that table because <laughs> it was so cold in the library, but it was warm in there with the copy machine. <laughs> and I was sitting in there and we were writing the words, but that was before. That was before the definition? Because that was, well, no, 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 that was before. I mean, that we was found, before the, the definition that we found. From that was the before UNU. the UNU and we were like, oh my gosh, look at the UNU is talking about. The same thing. Yeah, yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's interesting because in so many ways, when when we're looking back on this together, it feels like the definition was with us all the, all the time. time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The definition was with us at the beginning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We just had to, as you say, birth it. Yeah, <laughs> but it was yeah. actually that putting it down into a succinct sentence didn't really happen until closer to the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. evolved. Mm -hmm. Definitely, we evolved into that definition. And I think it was, I mean, at least for me, it was working with the student learning outcomes and shifting from the emphasis on global awareness or the knowledge piece. And then some semesters, I'd think that the emphasis or the focus should be, or the heart of global learning is on global perspective. Oh, I remember hearing you say yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> and then other semesters, I'd think, no, the really the heart of global learning is on engagement in the action piece. Mm -hmm. And then also grappling with, well, which comes first? Is it a scaffolded experience? Or is it all three um, outcomes working together? And I think the definition was a growth of understanding and realizing that it is these three outcomes working together that make up global learning. Mm -hmm. And I re also remember at one point we had um, learn instead of the, or we had translated in some way the outcomes into learning about the world, learning with the world, and right. learning with others. Right. Um, and that was our sort of graphic organizer right. for global learning. And that was at one point even uh, the makings of a definition. Mm -hmm. And as you say, it evolved into diversity, collaboration, and problem solving. Yeah, and I think yeah. if we went back and looked in, because you know I'm a saver, and I know that you've saved a lot of things too. I, if if I go back in, into my laptop and actually open up those files, I mean, there are probably 150 iterations of the learning outcomes and an equal number of, of iterations of the, of the definition. But I will say, you know, sometimes you write things and you go back and you look at it later and you say, gosh darn it, I wish I could change those <laughs> words. Like, I could have written that so much better. Hillary, I, I mean, I honestly 
Yeah. I never think that about the, the three learning outcomes or the definition. It, no, me neither. Like it, yeah, it only yeah. actually, <laughs> like as I go from university to university, as I, in and outside of the classroom, like country to country, that definition, you just cannot push me off that <laughs> dime, man. I'm like, woman, I, I just cannot. I, I don't know. It's just, I just feel yeah. like it is, it's my. Well, I think, I think we were prescient um, and that um, in the university as a whole and in universities as a whole, um, universities are now uh, more and more discovering or realizing or coming to the point to, at which um, they are embracing a, a global learning, mm -hmm. as we describe global learning, um, as, a, you know, as a place, the university as a place and a space where collaborative uh, problem solving of the world's most intractable problems has to happen. And yeah. that that is becoming one of the purposes of the university. So you have people like Nicholas Lehman writing about this in the Chronicle of Higher Education, or the IAU, the um, the European version of NAFSA, creating videos of universities around the world who are have centers now, where they have where they're interdisciplinary and inter-university centers mm -hmm. where they're having researchers, students, and faculty collaborating to do global learning. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and really, I, I think of global learning as really what internationalization is, that, that the institution is a global learning organism in that it must become connected to the world's knowledge exchange and production network. And that's really mm -hmm. about diverse institutions and people within them collaborating to understand and solve, you know, these complex problems that transcend the borders that contain the institutions mm -hmm. or the disciplines. Um, so you've also said, though, I've heard you say that global learning is also a subversive act. <laughs> what do you mean when you say that? Um, so I, I, I think at the beginning, when we first started the initiative, um, I meant that um, certain pedagogical practices were subversive in you know, that we were trying to get faculty or encouraging faculty to have active learning and that that was in a subversive way. Mm -hmm. That we weren't saying we were doing teaching and learning. We were saying we were doing something else, global learning, whatever mm -hmm. that means. But we were actually encouraging, as I say, encouraging faculty to do things in the classroom that they weren't used to or maybe not comfortable doing mm -hmm. pedagogically. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, we it was subversive. Now I think more global learning is, you know, having had the experience of being an administrator mm -hmm. in the initiative that global learning is subversive in um, the area of interdisciplinarity, that um, in order to mm -hmm. do global learning, you have to um, move around the university in ways that the university isn't comfortable with. 
Um, so interdisciplinarity is a prime area um, that is very hard administratively to do a course that has interdisciplinarity in it. And um, as you know, we have sometimes failed in that effort. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, we had these interdisciplinary courses that were even tagged as IDS courses, mm -hmm. where we had um, faculty from different disciplines teaching the courses. IDS being the course yes. prefix. Yes, yes. and um, administratively, that th there's a lot of that it doesn't work right it's or, it's subverting the power structures yes, exactly it's of the uh -huh. mm -hmm. of the course of, of excuse me it's subverting the power structure of the course and it's subverting the power structure of the institution of the institution and who the institution um, <laughs> has <laughs> <laughs> is beholden to. Yeah, is beholden to the state. So a concrete example, you do an interdisciplinary course with an English professor, an economics professor, and an art professor. Who gets paid for the course, and how do you do that? Do you split the payment three ways? How do you report the course to the state? Do you, do you report it? as in one department, who gets the, um, the FTEs, the, yes. um, the credit for the course. Those are, all, um, those are all very difficult and sometimes intractable things. However, even though we couldn't get around th that intractability of the institution, we still have interdisciplinary courses within a department where fa a faculty member can bring in speakers or do a COIL course to get instructors from another country mm -hmm. um, or another place um, to give their perspective. So you get this interdisciplinarity, and um, that to me is subversive. And, and, and I'll just kind of riff on that in that in the evolution of my thinking around global learning, it's, for me, it's been all about connection making, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, and you do collaboration with others, but the nature of that is making connections and bringing pieces of different peoples and different perspectives, ideas together to make a new idea, which is the production of new new knowledge, to to create a third space, right? Um, so it's that connection making piece. And so, I think when you say subversive, yeah, like it's when we're when we're inviting people to connect parts of the institution that are purposefully disconnected from each other in order to maintain power, in order to maintain um, a. a, a hold on resources in order to make possible the competition that states put on universities or universities put on departments within. We have to compete for these limited resources. Who's the best? Who's the... So, so global learning is subversive in that it, in order to do it well, you have to subvert those, mm -hmm. those structures. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The division between the disciplines, the division between the curriculum and the co-curriculum, mm -hmm. and you also have to subvert the professor as the sole arbiter of power in the classroom. Exactly. 
exactly. <laughs> and from the get-go, um, that was our goal. And I think we've succeeded beyond our wildest dreams in that goal, especially um, the goal of subverting the professor as the sole arbiter of knowledge. And, and, and so the connection-making piece, another thing that you said earlier in the conversation that you made was that connection between what the student is, ha is happening in the classroom, what they're learning in the classroom, and what outside of the classroom. Do you want to like share a little bit more about that um, insight that came mm -hmm, to you about mm -hmm, the integrated mm -hmm, piece? Mm -hmm. um, well, so at the beginning of the initiative, we had one signature co-curricular activity. That was the Tuesday Times Roundtable. This is this what. Um, and I have to go back a little bit from that. Um, built, it, baked into the initiative um, were, and still are, what we call foundation courses and then discipline-specific courses. And in foundation courses, which are found in the gen ed curriculum, which we call the co-curriculum, the core curriculum, um, is an extra piece of a requirement of a co-curricular activity. Yeah, built so, into the course, integrated exactly. into the course. Exactly, as a requirement of the course. Um, so our, our first and sig still, I guess, signature co-curricular activity was the Tuesday Times Roundtable. This is a discussion that students have every week on a Tuesday um, at lunch. They get free lunch. There's a discussion of a globally focused issue um, led by a faculty member, a community member, a staff member, a panel of people, and students come willingly um, for free to discuss global issues. Yeah, and there's like an average of in the 40s, like the, 40s or 50 mm -hmm. students come to these. So at, um, that- and, and staff and faculty, anyone, it's open to anybody. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that was our co-curricular activity. And at the beginning, I thought, okay, that's, that's nice. That's a good, that's a co-curricular activity. And that's like checking the box for co-curriculum for us. Um, but that wasn't the, even the beginning of it, let alone the end of it. These co-curricular activities just started growing um, beyond, it, that had nothing to do with us. So we would discover that they were doing things in hospitality management, and there were things going on in history, and there were things going on in social work um, that, that had globally focused themes to them, and there was even a minor that sprung up. Um, people from, I think it was communications, mm -hmm. came to us and said, we want to do a minor in global learning, and that minor, we want a little uh, curriculum and a little in co-curriculum, um, and then it even, it got bigger than that, that... Um, we had one semester, and it wasn't that far in. It was maybe three years into the initiative. We gave to a graduate journalism class, um, or they, or maybe the graduate journalism class came to us. They they took yeah. us on as a as a as a client. Uh, as a client, it was integrative mar integrative marketing. Yes, or integrated mm -hmm. marketing. Mm -hmm. was a, yeah, Inter yeah. Which okay, so that that's that's a great clue. Integrated. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. I just put that together too. Like, hello. All right. Cool. Integrated marketing or integrated communications. They come to us. They want us as a client for their class. They're going to do a SWOT analysis of what's going on in global learning. And yeah, what strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and threats and what they come back with at the end so they do a semester they interview us they observe students in classes faculty etc and what they come back with is we need global learning needs as the next iteration or um, a global learning medallion program and what's a global learning medallion program it is the definition of integrative global learning. It's um, having students both take classes that are global learning classes, but also go out and do a certain amount of co-curricular activities and a capstone project, whether that be a study abroad, a research project, an internship, um, so that they're integrating, literally integrating their experiences in the classroom with their experiences outside the classroom and in their personal lives. And then they put it all together um, with an e-portfolio that's a showcase of their learning and a reflective piece that where they can think about and articulate what, how they've used their the student learning outcomes. Mm -hmm. And um, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly powerful what students are doing. Um, the demographic of our students that are participating in the Global Learning Medallion Program, and there's over a thousand every, every, at any single time, there are over a thousand that are participating in it. But the demographic looks like the demographic of our university, we're a majority Latin American Hispanic institution, and we have a very large percentage of our students are African American or African diaspora students, and um, a small percentage, less than 10%, are uh, identified as, as, as Anglo, you know, are white. And the students who are participating in those programs, their demographics match that, and they're not just doing one capstone they're doing multiple capstones they're studying abroad multiple times they're learning multiple languages they're doing multiple internships they're um and and there's but they do say still that it's the courses that, i mean a lot of them say those courses really turned me on mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like they put mm -hmm. a light bulb on they mm -hmm. made me think about the world differently. They made me think about my major differently. And then when I did these other things, it really extended and enriched it. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I see that too. Our research um, in assessment yeah. um, both uh, corroborates that and is telling us that um, co certain co-curricular activities really move the needle on global learning, on increasing global learning um, competencies of the students. So the, um, in particular, so what we do, well, to, to explain a little bit, what we have done for assessment is we have given 
cohorts of students, at least 10% of incoming students and 10% of graduating students, the Global Perspective Inventory Survey, which is a survey of about 50 questions, statements, Likert scale um, statements, um, with the goal of um, assessing students' holistic development. Mm -hmm. um, and what we have, so we have a ton of data now. We've been doing this since 2010. And we have analyzed um, a lot of this data. Um, and what we have seen year after year after year is that what moves the needle is both the global learning courses, and when I say moves the needle, is we have um, matched the global learning outcomes to the scales that the global perspective inventory uses. Um, and so it's the global learning courses that are moving the needle on global awareness, global perspective, global engagement, but also activities in which students are collaborating and in, in having meaningful discussions of difference, mm -hmm. with difference. Mm -hmm. So discussions with um, people who are of different cultural, racial, religious, sexual orientation, etc. Mm -hmm. People who are different than them and readings that are different than what they're used to. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to say when it comes to assessment, because this is, this is like the contentious and kind of scary part for a lot of people, that um, it wasn't that we made outcomes based on the assessment instrument that we heard a lot of people are using, so we're, we use that. But rather, we had the learning outcomes, and then we went out and looked and said, is there anything out there that aligns with that and we we did a study to make sure and we found that I mean there were lots of great things available at the time the mm -hmm. IDI and things that are maybe that are still mm -hmm. used mm -hmm. but the GPI matched in terms of the theoretical framework and then the specific items we also created something in-house the AAC and U value rubric did not exist at that time exactly. if mm -hmm. it had there might have been parts of it that we would use, but there would have been parts of it that we wouldn't have used mm -hmm. because it didn't match what our institution was saying we're focusing on. Mm -hmm. So this piece about what we're finding between the courses and then those specific items, those co-curricular activities that students are engaging in that are causing a significant uh, difference in their scores, the meaning that the more often they engage in those activities, there is a significant mm -hmm. increase in their levels of reporting global awareness, perspective, and engagement from the time that they enter and the time that they mm -hmm. leave. Mm -hmm. um, all of that kind of corroborates the definition. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, because um, because we're saying that people who hold different ideas and different perspectives from you hold a piece of the puzzle of understanding whatever complex concept it is that we're trying to understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that it's only when we work with people who are different from us and hold these different cognitive 
cross-disciplinary cultural perspectives than us, can we solve complex problems? Can yeah. we get to the sol solutions to problems? Yeah. That we can't do it, one, that we can't do it alone, um, so we need other perspectives. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, and two, that we have to negotiate that difference. We have to figure out, okay, you think of it this way and I think of it this way. Is there even, like, what can we take from me? What are the connections, mm -hmm. with the similarities, the differences? Mm -hmm. What can we take from this to come up to a new understanding? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That one plus one plus three. One plus like. one equals three, yeah. Super additivity <laughs> of diversity. <laughs> yeah, you heard me talk about that. That's chapter two, folks. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I guess the... Maybe a, by way of kind of bringing this conversation full circle, um, the initiative started as internationalizing the institution, the international institution. We're the only university in the United States with international in our name. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand, <laughs> I may be wrong, but um, we're one of the only if we're not the only. And so... The Global Learning Initiative was created to internationalize the international university. So would you speak a little bit about how you see the relationship between, I, I hinted at kind of how I think about it, but the relationship between global learning and, and FIU's internationalization or any institution's internationalization. Where does, where does global learning fit? To me, global yeah. learning is at the center Mm -hmm. I, and you, I think you said this, mm -hmm. and I agree with it, and also, you know, have come to this very early on that global learning is at the center of internationalization. It's a um, it's a requirement for internationalization. It's one of, and even more than that, it's one of. Well, as I said, it's one of the purposes of higher education mm -hmm. um, to work with others who are different from you to solve complex problems. That's what we're training people to do, and that's what that's the purpose of why we're here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Do you feel? that your purpose that you have evolved in in kind of your why I guess I would I would ask you know your why in your career mm -hmm. because you began your career and you began this initiative from the place of being a faculty member this is a, this is a question I'm asking you really specifically mm -hmm. I can't answer it because when I came to this work I, I was not then and am not now a tenured or tenure track faculty member. I've always come at this from the position of being uh, from a leadership position or administrative position, but more I, I think of myself more as a leader than an administrator. But coming to this from a f from your position as a faculty member, you know, where are you now in terms of your purpose as a scholar and educator? Uh, that that's a very good question and a very difficult question. Um, I hmm. I um, go back and forth. I think between you know my thoughts as a 
or my role or my identity, I guess my professional identity as a faculty member and my professional identity as an administrator and a leader and a leader of a of an initiative. And yeah, I toggle back and forth. Um, and I probably toggle back and forth when um, frustrated with the administrative aspects my identity reverts or moves to um, faculty member and researcher and you know thinker and and teacher mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's the connection between the two you talk about a lot about connection and the connection between the two the faculty member and the administrative leader is the teacher piece the educator piece mm. um, so in both faculty and in administrative leader um, there's a um, at the heart of both um, positions is educating and learning the teaching and learning mm-hmm. um, and that keeps me going um, that's how I bridge the two and I think I've embraced that educator and teaching and learning piece more and more as I've as I've grown older and grown more into the position well Thank you, Hillary, for calling me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> sunny afternoon in July of 2008. And uh, we're going to go out into a rainy afternoon <laughs> in December of 2019, about to embark on our third decade. <laughs> <laughs> in which we have worked together <laughs> and um who knows what what's yeah, going to come who next knows, who knows but uh, we've done incredible work together stephanie and um you know we couldn't have i couldn't have done any of it without you i have to say <laughs> that <laughs> vice versa <laughs> yeah well thank you thanks for, for talking with me today <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Making Global Learning Universal. This podcast is brought to you by FIU's Office of Global Learning Initiatives, Media Technology Services, and our Disability Resource Center. You can find all our episodes, show notes, transcripts, and discussion guides on our webpage, globallearningpodcast.fiu.edu. And if this episode was meaningful to you, please share it with colleagues, friends, and students. You can even give it a rating on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in and for all you do to make global learning universal.